Hey, good morning, Thrive Church. Can't believe that it's uh, middle of June and it seems like July's temperatures and weather have already arrived. So I hope you're staying cool uh, this week. <clears throat> good to see all of you virtually speaking. When I was in the third grade, I started at a new school. Um, and like all kids, all third graders, I wanted to fit in. Uh, up until that point, I had gone a couple of years to a a local um, private Christian school, but in the third grade, my parents moved in within the city, and so I went to the local public school. And uh, I remember <clears throat> in the the class that I was in, um, there was a, a another boy who was, I guess, what we would describe as an alpha male. His name was Chris. He was actually a nice guy. And the reason why he was the alpha is um, because he was the quarterback for the, the peewee football team. And everybody wanted to be Chris, Chris's friend. Um, and he was, a, like I said, he was a good guy, good-natured good natured kid. <clears throat> and, uh, of course, you know, like kids do, at recess time you play games and whatnot. And I'll never forget one day uh, – we were picking teams for, I don't know, it was either soccer or football or one of those combination games that kids play that kind of looks like soccer sometimes or rugby or just an opportunity to hit each other, I think is what it is. But I remember we were picking teams and Chris picked me to be on his team. And I couldn't believe it because up until that point, I had not been picked. Um for one of those teams and kind of had to watch from the sidelines because, of course, I was new. It was like a stamp of approval. I mean, at that moment, I belonged. Um, I was in. Well, at least I was in for that particular recess period, right? Human beings want to belong, and it's just kind of part of who we are. Um, you know, the older I get, the more I'm convinced that people who um, identify themselves as, as loners are really simply um, emotionally relating to some type of rejection that they had in their past. It's kind of the Timon and Pumbaa philosophy of life. The world turns its back on you, you turn your back on the world. And fortunately, that's, that's really hard on people even introverts. Um, you know, sometimes we, we laugh and we joke and in, introverts don't like to be around people, but that's not entirely true. Really, introversion and extroversion is about where somebody gets energy and introverts get energy when they're by themselves. That's where they go and recharge their batteries. Um, and when they're around large groups of people, it, it drains them. So it has nothing to do with whether they like them or not. They still want to be connected to people because the fact of the matter is we're wired for connection. We are built for community. And whether we like it or not, bottom line here is that um, we need each other. We need other people in our, in our lives. We're simply designed for it. It's hardwired into our systems. The problem is, is that we, we trip up, though. Um, something happens to us. And typically, it's when we're kids. Uh, not always, but very often, um, maybe we're not picked at recess. 
Or maybe we make some type of innocent mistake and somebody jumps all over us. Or, or maybe there's a, um, a relational breakdown or a communication breakdown and, and something happens where we feel like we are less than what we really are. We, we carry that around with us and for whatever reason, it grows. Because those types of human circumstances that all of us go through continue to happen. And we get this message that somehow we're unworthy, somehow we're unacceptable, that somehow we're not good enough. And for, for most of us, life just continues, continues to pile that on us. Um, one fault after another over and over until it's just plain crushing to the human spirit. And it's not that we did something wrong. It's not that we feel bad about that. But rather, it's much more insidious and much more subtle. We begin to think that there's something actually wrong with us. Well, I, I, I just should have known better. You're in the third grade. How do you know better? You didn't get picked on a team. How did they know better? These are the kinds of things that the root cause for a lot of these problems and, and the issue here is, is it's shame. <laughs> I mean, that's what it's called. It's, it's shame. And it's monstrous, and it affects almost every single person that you meet, including the person that you meet in the mirror every single morning. It's just simply there. And, and church, here's the thing. I want you to understand it's a complete lie. It's a complete and utter lie. And we need to recognize that shame is the source of virtually all insecurities. And we need to call it out and we need to somehow replace it with truth. So let's talk about that. Are we identifying ourselves um, through the lens of shame? Are we covered over with that just horrible you know, smog of shame and self-loathing and got to call that one out. And we need to replace it with something else. We need to replace it with some truth. Now, here's the thing. Um, what's your source of truth? <clears throat> because as Christians, we choose to make God our source of truth. And of course, we're listening and responding to God and, and he certainly can... Uh, download some things to us that are helpful. But the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, we start here. This is the book that he left for us. And so this contains his word and we believe that it's, it's true. And so we start there. Now, God may say something to you directly. That's great when he does. It's, it's actually awesome. And you should write that down. I think that's a great idea. But, but we start what, with what he's already written down. And this becomes our source of truth. And so when it comes to things like shame and things like acceptance and, and insecurity, let's find out what God says to start with. And, and let, let, we'll work from there, if that, that makes sense. So let me, let me start. I'll have it on the screen for you. Um, let's start with the gospel, the biography of Jesus written by um, his disciple John. He writes this in the very first chapter, Yet to all who did receive him, meaning Jesus, to those who believed in Jesus' name, he gave the right to become 
children of God. Children not uh, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. In, in very similar fashion, we find Paul um, writing this to the church in Ephesus. He writes to them in the very first chapter again, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. So before all of this was even thought up, he thought of you. So before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship and daughtership through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure in his will. So, you've been on God's mind for eons of time. And you're, you're predestined, like all people are, to be adopted um, as sons and daughters of Je- um, through Jesus. And, and, and here's, here's the thing. You've got to understand, you are his child. When you choose to follow Jesus, this is what changes. You become his, his child, and you're adopted with full rights and privileges. You have an, an inheritance, and oh yes, you also have a deposit on that inheritance. It's called the Holy Spirit. So you're, you're his child. Now, I understand that um, this type of language may make some people uncomfortable um, because they didn't have the best childhood. Uh, They didn't have the best parental role models. And so this idea of sons and daughters of God um, may not resonate with you. I encourage you to to look into it and to think about it um, because he's a good father and what does that actually mean in relation to what your parents were like? And you, you need to explore that a little bit. But I, I do understand that not everybody resonates with that. So maybe there's an, another way to look at this. And, and I want to read this because this is in 1 Corinthians. This is Paul, again, um, writing to a church in, in the Greek city of Corinth. And I'm going to be in uh, chapter chapter 6, beginning with verse 17. And I'll... Put this up here, but you can you can see this. But he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. And then he goes on back down in verse 19. Do you not know your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Remember, that's the deposit. Temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own but you were bought with a price. Let that one sink in a little bit. That you are united with, with God. Actually united to him where you know, he lives inside of each one of us. And so our, our, our body is considered a temple. That's where the Holy Spirit is. The presence of God always was in a temple or in some type of sacred place like a tabernacle. And... Uh, even when, when God's presence was at the burning bush, he told Moses, take off your sandals because you're standing on what? Holy ground. Yeah, all of those things where God is, um, where his presence is, um, there is holiness and we are united to him through Jesus. And yes, that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that one, yeah, that's the one that lives inside of you. I mean, that's ultimately what's, what's being said here. 
And so we're supposed to take care of the body because this is where the presence of God actually dwells. So whenever you're going into a set of circumstances, you are carrying the presence of God with you into those circumstances. That's a big deal. And if you weren't acceptable, if you were somehow unworthy, you wouldn't have that. But he makes you worthy. You are united with him. Okay. Still don't believe me? That's all right. Uh, I got more. (laughs) There's an entire Bible here. So let's look at the book of Colossians, this letter that Paul wrote. He writes, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And he goes on in chapter 2, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness or completeness. He is the head over every power and and authority. And so when you put those things together, Paul is saying you are rescued and you are completed. Now, I know um, there's a great romantic line from a movie where uh, the guy says to the girl, you complete me. And that makes for great romantic comedy sorts of movies. But the fact of the matter is, is no human being can actually complete you because they're incomplete themselves. The only person that, that can complete you really is Jesus himself. And that's what, what Paul is writing to us. When you're rescued and you are filled with that spirit, you are complete. You are made full. And I think that's an important thing to remember that, again, if you were somehow unworthy and un- unacceptable, that's not something that God would, would do. You see, the, the, the bottom line here is God's love and, and, and his acceptance of you specifically is all over the New Testament. It, it's just filled with those kinds of messages if we tr- choose to see them, if we choose to look at them. So this um, is important for us to continually access, to go back to. Now, now look, look, I know that you might feel unworthy. You might feel like you're not enough somehow. Um, I I see this all the time. And for some of you, that self-talk, that thing that plays in the background right now is screaming, just screaming, not me. That might be true for everybody else, but it's not true for me. Um, That somehow you feel like you're different. Um, the, th- the truth of it is you've had this message that you're not enough on playback in the background of your mind for so long, you don't even hear it anymore. But when you're confronted with things like like the truth, it just rears its ugly head and says, no, 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 that couldn't possibly be me because somewhere along the line, I believed that I was unworthy or unacceptable in some way. Could you hit the pause button for just a second and consider maybe, just maybe, what God says about you is actually true. That those those verses that we just read are about you specifically sitting there watching the screen. 
what what will be your standard of truth? Are you gonna are you gonna trust simply what you feel about yourself? Um, here's the thing. What you feel changes from day to day, from moment to moment. Um, case in point, I imagine that there are certain photographs of yourself um, where you made certain fashion decisions that you would not make today, right? That uh, those types of things are, are not necessarily true for you <laughs> anymore. But the point is your feelings change from moment to moment. And, and you can't base the truth just on how you feel about things. So what's your standard of truth going to be? If you have to replace a lie with the truth, what is that truth going to be? How you feel? That's dangerous. In fact, it probably puts you right back into a cycle of shame. And you're on that downward spiral again. And so if this is true, if, the, if what God says about you is true in his word, if that's true, what might that mean for you? That you're accepted? That you're loved? That you're adopted? That you're united with God? That you're rescued? That you're complete? What does that mean for your daily life? What does it do for you? You see, there's something here that's, that's just plain crucial for all of us. We must understand this, Thrive. When we talk about spiritual warfare, and, and you'll hear that word you know, tossed around from time to time, I just feel like I'm under, the, uh, under an attack from the enemy. Yeah, uh, that, that happens. But there's also that internal war where you've got that negative playback in your mind and, and, and all the things that go along with that. That shame that plays in the background over and over and over again. That's spiritual warfare too. And when we talk about spiritual warfare, it's not about power per se. Yes, we're, we're trying to overcome the enemy. I, I'm not saying that. But the battle is fought in a very different place. Not a power struggle on a battlefield, so to speak, but rather it is always, spiritual warfare is always um, truth overcoming lies. Always. There is no spiritual warfare that you will engage in that doesn't involve some type of, of conflict between truth and lies. And that's why it's important to have a standard of truth that you can trust and that you can believe in because that's the only way that you're going to defeat the enemy in a spiritual battle. Truth overcoming lies. And it starts right here within our own hearts and our own lives. And so when, not if, when you find yourself engaged in some type of spiritual conflict, there's just a couple things to think about. First of all, you need to find the lies. You have to find those lies. What is it that you believe about yourself? You're not enough? You sure about that? I know you think you have a whole lot of evidence to support that idea, but maybe you need to challenge that idea. Maybe that's one of the lies that, that you're believing in. And, and somehow, if you're unworthy, is that really true? 
Or is that simply a lie that you, you believe? And, and oh yeah, that evidence that you supposedly have, how do you know that isn't just another lie built upon a lie built upon a lie? So what is actually true about you? You see, you got to ask some of the deeper questions. If you're, you know, stuck and you're just feeling like, ah, oh, I can't do it. And, 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 and here's, some of the, here's some of the language. Some of the language is, I, I never get it right. No, that's not true. Sometimes you do. Or I will never be able to do this. You sure about that? Under what conditions might it, might it happen? Oh, I don't know. Well, maybe you need to ask deeper questions about it. So always ask the deeper questions. And here's the other thing. Ask for help from others. If you're feeling unworthy and you're not sure about the truth, borrow somebody else's. Somebody who's grounded in this. Somebody who's connected to God. Ask for some help. And finally, this is so simple, but not easy. You've got to ask God to reveal it. Oh God, where's the lie? What's down here? What, what's down here that is blocking me from everything that you have in mind? God, what is the lie that I believe my, uh, of myself? And what are the supporting lies that I believe? God, what is that? Start there. So you have to find the lie and you have to call it out. And then secondly, you have to figure out a way to replace the lie with the truth. So what does God say about you? And repeat it over and over again because ultimately you've had that thing in the background, that place almost, well, 24-7. Maybe not quite because you actually sleep in there. But for 16 hours a day, you're hearing negative messages about yourself in the background. You need to replace those lies with the truth and repeat it over and over again. I'm adopted. I am united with Christ. I am rescued and I am made complete. That is the truth. You know, start just with this idea that you're loved and accepted. Hey, the word says I'm loved and accepted. You look in the mirror, I'm loved and accepted. And I know that for some of you, you're like, okay, well, that just, that just feels odd. That, that feels strange. I'm not sure that I can do that. Okay, fine. Um, that might feel weird to you, but so did riding a bicycle. So did your job the first time you started. The point that I'm trying to make here is that you have to start somewhere. Start with something very simple and remind yourself that God himself, God himself has said that you're loved and you're accepted. Go look it up in your Bible. You're going to find some other places too. I'm going to have a resource available to you when this um, series is over so that you'll have a place to access things of truth that you need to tell yourself. And finally, if you're going to ask God to reveal the lie, then ask God to share the truth with you. God, what is it that you want to say out in your word? Or is there something else that you want to communicate to me just in our conversations together? Because you are having conversation with God, right? You are occasionally checking in with him, maybe just five minutes a day. Remember that? Yeah. Look, all the time, and this is the thing that we're trying to get at at Thrive Church, is if you're a disciple of Jesus, You are listening and responding. You are listening and responding. You are praying and responding. You're listening to what he has to say and you're responding appropriately to it. That's discipleship. 
It's, it's nothing more than that. Simply listening and responding to Jesus. And what he's saying to you right now, to you watching the screen right now, he's saying to you very simply, you are loved. You are accepted. Believe it and it will change your identity. Let's pray. God, thank you that you have rescued us. God, thank you that you have found us that valuable to yourself, that you would send your only son um, to deal with all of the junk in my life, all the sin, all the shame, the possibility of death. You decided to take that upon yourself. That's how much value human beings have to you. Thank you for that grace and mercy because we certainly don't deserve it. But you found us that valuable. And right now there's somebody who I know they're sitting there, they're watching this and they're, they're wondering, is this really true? God, would you speak to their heart in such a way that they know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you love them right now? And there's, there's some other people who they think they know that you, you love them, but they may not act like it. And they may still suffer from, from some guilt and some, some shame and some insecurity. Lord, would you speak to them right now and say, there's a lie here. I want to point that out. I want you to be free of it. I want to heal you of it. And God, would you please do that upon, on their behalf? Oh God, we want to be free to actually love you free of all those insecurities and those things that keep us from being the kind of people that you've really called us to be. And I thank you in advance for all that you're going to do in the lives and hearts of the people who call Thrive Church home. Pray this all in Jesus' strong name. Amen. Mm-hmm.